Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Digital Health Unfiltered. Uh, I'm Siddhartha Srivastava, of course, joined by Nick Jeans. Well, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Digital Health Unfiltered. We are super excited today because we've got our friend and ex-colleague, Drew Copeland, here to talk about digital health, sleep, and um, things related to that. So uh, welcome, Drew. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. So yeah, I'm I'm Drew. I'm a, a sleep guy. I'm a, I'm a sleep nerd. Uh, I've been in sleep for uh, you know, 18, 19, 20 years about this point. Um, I, uh, I I ran overnight sleep studies. I analyzed daytime sleep studies. I worked with kids. I've, I've done everything in sleep. Um, and uh, you know, after leaving my last uh, my last gig, uh, I'm, I'm taking on kind of two different roles right now. I'm the executive director of a of a company called Pro Sleep Solutions. It's uh, designed to get patients uh, diagnosed with sleep apnea as quick as possible, a very patient-focused, patient-centered uh, way of educating them and coordinating that care and, and just making it be a good experience so we can get them into treatment. And then uh, I also am a sleep coach with Sleep Better NYC. And yes, sleep coach is a thing. Um, <laughs> we are, uh, we're, you can think of us like personal trainers for sleep. So uh, we try to help you figure out what you can change about your own sleep um you know things with your your own habits your own intake your own uh, atmosphere and environment and then when needed we absolutely uh, help get you to see a a clinician uh if there is a, a a diagnosable sleep disorder that you need um you know their help with so that's what i do well that's great to hear welcome drew we're we're really excited to talk with you about uh the state of the industry and and your take on on some of this uh emerging technology. But I'm also really excited to, to circle back with you on how these two roles, you know, how they complement each other and how you mm. uh, how you balance it. But we'll, we'll get to that later. I, I'll just start by saying I'm an ER doc, so sleep has always been a, a fun hobby for me um, and something I try to do here and there, <laughs> a dilettante with sleep. But um, can you start by just telling us how big is a, a problem with sleep uh, across the country and across the world? No, I don't know. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no statistics that we can. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, to be fair, that we, we are guessing on some of this, but uh, it is it's estimated that about one billion people globally have obstructive sleep apnea. So that's when you uh, stop breathing at the night, and it's really bad for your for your sleep. And that's that's getting worse. I mean, a, a 2020 study wow. showed a 40 percent increase in the prevalence of that in the U.S. between 2013 and 2016, um, wow. and then. Moving away from uh, obstructive sleep apnea, actually, the, the biggest sleep disorder globally is insomnia. Um, and it's estimated that, that 20 to 30 percent of the global population suffers from chronic insomnia. And as much as 50 to 60 percent experiences short term or, or acute ins uh, insomnia. Um, so sleep is is sleep issues are just running rampant across the world. Um and you can see that in some of our activities. I mean, Americans Google the word sleep 5 million times a month, which is absolutely insane, you know. Um, Maybe they just forget how to spell it. Could be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, uh, when, when they, after they Google that and they realize that their sleep might be bad, uh, you know, they, they try to do something about it. Sometimes the right thing, sometimes the wrong thing. But what that translates to is the market for, for sleep aids is expected to reach $112 billion by 2025. Wow. That yeah. is just, just, just fascinating. So, 
I mean, you know, we'll get into the geeky digital health stuff, but like, what's the reasons behind that? Are people just drinking too much alcohol, coffee? Is there too much stress? You know, like, what's 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 going on? It's all of the above. I mean, we're, we're just, our society is built to mess up our sleep. Unfortunately, there's so much stress. Uh, you know, between between COVID, between you know just gestures vaguely at the entire world right now. Like everything <laughs> in the world is, is set up to, to cause stress. And that really can affect people's sleep. You know, we still have an obesity epidemic across the world, which is going to affect obstructive sleep apnea. We have way too much time spent in front of uh, uh, phones and, and TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are just addicted to dopamine, which is not good for sleep. I mean, it's um, Yeah. We have a lot to do as a society to fix sleep. And unfortunately, I would love to tell you there's an easy button for it, but there isn't. There's not a pill you can take. There's not a supplement. You know, we, we're, I, I'm going to tell you guys, if you want, if you ask me about melatonin, I'm going to refuse to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, melatonin was actually my entree as a college student. I, was, I did some melatonin research, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> stuff out there. I've, I've actually gotten researchers into like almost fist fights over it so i'm, I'm <laughs> staying away from it right now but all that to say there are a myriad reasons um and i think it's going to be i i think it's going to be a long time till we improve our sleep the way that we can but i, I think we're we're on the right path okay well so much i i think you know silicon valley and uh the tech industry has noticed that uh people are preoccupied with their sleep, or at least they're, they're starting to be. They're, they're starting to at least make these tentative kind of steps that, and I think they're following this model that consumers read about devices in, in blogs and, you know, magazines and stuff. They see that, you know, sometimes they can uncover a real medical condition or they can give you some actionable insights or something like that. And, you know, and people just, they feel more tired than they used to be. And so they're, they're thinking about uh, uh, consumer tech, but I, I'm just, I'm just wondering how much of this is like, fun, interesting stuff like cocktail party discussions and how much of it is like uh, some of these new devices are, are they able to provide medical grade diagnostic uh, uh, technology? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so what I will say about the, the device, actually, the very first thing I need to say is um, for those of you who have a device that tracks your sleep, and I know a lot of you do, um, very first thing I'll tell you is is don't don't get too obsessed with tracking your sleep. Uh, it's It's like it's like trying to lose weight and, and checking your weight twice a day. You know, that, that actually has detrimental effects on the weight loss, tracking your sleep too often and, and, and worrying too much about it. It becomes a vicious cycle. You worry about your sleep, which causes your sleep to get worse, which means you worry about it more, which makes your sleep even worse. So that's, that's what I'll say about that. But there are good things about tracking your sleep. And, and uh, many of these devices are getting just better and better with, with, with every iteration. Um, really, really great, uh, for, for tracking trends in your sleep. Um, I, a lot of the devices have, have changed from where it used to be like, this is your sleep, you know, full stop. Um, which is, you know, kind of like getting your lab results and seeing all the results, but having no idea what to do with those, you know? And so a lot of them are, are they're realizing that they need to provide something for the person tracking their sleep. So it can help guide you toward, uh, uh, you know, self guided uh, sleep tips. It can help push you toward, you know, for instance, a sleep coach, uh, someone who can help you, uh, you know, hold your hand a little bit and, and guide you through it. And it can also push you toward seeing a cl clinician. If there's, 
if there's something in there that, that shows, yeah, your, your sleep is really restless. Uh, we can't tell you that you have a sleep disorder. We're not allowed. and we're, But we can say that it might be a good idea to go some, to someone who can test you for that. And I think that's a great, a great use case for these. That's good. And, you know, and we, we uh, had wondered, you know, a lot of clinicians are sort of maybe not skeptical of consumer tech, but maybe dismissive of it and, and really uh, like uh, concerned that uh, somehow they will, this consumer tech will sort of eat their lunch or, or not make the referrals or not, uh, you know, or steer the patients towards like some over-the-counter solutions or something. Is that like a warranted concern or how do you feel about that? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> in some cases yeah honestly yeah. there's you know there, there are people like I, I am again i'm a sleep nerd i love this stuff i i go to the academic conferences I, I read up but there's a lot of you know quote unquote sleep coaches out there that are that are quacks you know that that really do think that they you know market themselves as a sleep coach you go to see them and they say yeah take you know mercury and and your sleep will be fine after that just you know eat more bananas before you know and and if i was a if i was a board certified sleep physician i would have a big problem with my patients taking that sort of you know uneducated advice so i I do understand some of the fear there Mm -hmm. but you can also get too territorial about it because uh, i just talked about how many people have sleep disorders when you couple that with the low number of sleep physicians that we have in the world We've, there's just, there's a huge bottleneck there. If every patient that had a sleep disorder wanted to go tomorrow to see a sleep physician, it would be chaos. You know, you would have three year like backlogs to see a physician. There's just no way that that can happen. So that's where some of this consumer tech, not just the wearables, but also some of the apps um, that can, that can help with the education aspect of it, with the coordination aspect of it, with the monitoring aspect of it, not clinical decision-making, but providing tools that can actually help these physicians as opposed to pull the patients away from them. I see. Okay. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. Cause you know, I mean, this is probably the second or third podcast we're doing on sort of sleep. And in the past, we focused so much on these consumer tech devices that would sit by your bed, like the Bedits and the Amazons and Googles getting into into the space. Um, how is how is that trending? Is that sort of gap narrowing a little bit in terms of you know thinking more from a consumer grade to more clinical grade to actually having that data be useful so that it's not just like you said you tracking your steps and so on. Oh yeah, that 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 gap is getting smaller year after year after year, and it's coming from both sides. Uh, you know, uh, people in consumer industry are are reaching across the aisle to to work with their with their academic uh, uh, colleagues. There, they they want to get involved in that space, and slowly but surely, people in academia are reaching out to industry and realizing that you know the the genie's out of the bottle at this point. You know, pay, their patients are going to be wearing a tracker. You know, they're going to be walking in with that data and saying, hey, doc, I'm only getting 5% REM. What does that mean? You know, and so they, they, they need to work together and it's happening. Um, there are uh, people in the industry that, that are hiring people out of academia to help them build up uh, more internal um, validity there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, researchers who are um, using consumer devices in clinical research to help with that, they they're forming task joint task forces together so that people from uh, both sides can really, you know, figure out how we can not slow down the the pace of progress because we we can't and we shouldn't, but we also don't want to 
put stuff out there and and say that this is you know this this is data you can trust this is valid without actually having a process to test that and make sure that you can say that with confidence any cool devices that you're cracking right now or anything that 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 have gotten you excited about uh, both the consumer tech space uh, in, in sleep as well as uh, you know what can be used as more medical rate oh man how long do we have uh, <laughs> oh man I, so I love a lot of these devices uh, you know we, you, we kind of you put it in three categories uh, before. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's, uh, yeah, there's, we use these categories, wearables, nearables, and arables ah. uh, is, is one of the ways that we um, kind of catch these. So this, there's a lot of great stuff in, in wearables. Uh, I, I, per, I wear an aura ring myself. I, I also use an Apple watch sometimes to track my sleep. Um, there's, uh, you know, Fitbit has them. There's uh, stuff you wear, you know, on your, on your chest there's you know ones you wear on like the the waistband of your your underwear to track it there's there's a lot of stuff out there that can that's really good for you that that is getting better so that these wearables are almost always linked to an app so that you can see your data you can it can provide you some insight with that data so those are great then there's nearables you know uh we mentioned uh, apple embedded you know there are sensors that are built into your mattress uh one of the apps sleep space has a, a a little uh uh, cradle for your phone that you uh, actually attach to your bed and it tracks your sleep through that. There are, you know, cooling pillows that also track your sleep. So you, you know, if you have that, you flip that pillow to try to find the cool side, you never have to do that because both sides are the cool side. Always both the cool side. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love that. We're living in the future. Right? <laughs> My family. Um, you know, there's a, there's apps that cool your bed. There's a headband called Ebb that cools your forehead to slow down your thoughts to help you sleep uh, it's it's just it's crazy the stuff that's but happening. but really it was so when we talked uh on this podcast last year we were excited that google and amazon had made some sorts of announcements and i guess would this be under the arables category yeah yeah these are ones where it's not it's not in any way touching you it's just it's in the room um and and using you know whatever sonar using you know they they have that that can measure uh, kind of more of a, a sleep hygiene type thing that can measure the ambient temperature, the ambient light to make sure that your room itself is just set up for sleep. Right? And how much you're like tossing and turning, like it's actually looking at yeah, the bed. It, it uses, you know, audio signals to, to hear when you're tossing and turning. You know, sometimes that's tough when you have a bed partner, um, you know, because which one of you are doing it or if it's going to pick up snoring, for instance, is it you or your bed partner? So, but I, I think the industry is just exploding. And so there's all this amazing stuff here. But then there, what I actually do like is a couple of these groups, um, like uh, Cerno Health is one, Sleep Space is one, uh, where you you aggregate the data from all of these and, and, and use all of that to kind of put together a good picture of the patient's uh, sleep uh, using all methods that, that, you can, that you can have, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny though because uh, trying to so obviously uh, this is far outside my typical clinical ac academic area of expertise, but trying to evaluate the literature on this is so challenging because when they the the rare times that these companies do publish, it's on devices that are maybe already obsolete or, or right. you know the features that have been updated, algorithms that have advanced. How do you uh, try to evaluate the literature here? And, and how do you kind of rate these companies on, on what's uh, fact and fiction? Yeah, I mean, the very first thing I do is exactly, I look to see what has been published on that. You know, I, I'm, I, that's still my, my background. I 
come from academic medicine. So I want to see if there is something out there. That's the first thing. Um, I then, uh, I, I tend to, uh, a, a really important thing that I look for when it comes to industry is when they actually have clinical researchers who are on their advisory board, who are helping them out with that. Um, you really see a, a pretty stark contrast between just the, the, the straight up tech companies who, you know, think that sleep is something they can make money in mm-hmm. versus, you know, there's some of them that have been started by clinicians, you know, and they see the clinical need and they just are trying to create a, uh, a consumer um, solution for it. Those I tend to, to trust a little bit more. They just have much more insight into into the, the patient experience, the patient journey and the, the, the clinical uh, decisions behind it. I, I'll even mention one more. There was actually a, a consumer device, uh, Westberg, was developed here in, in uh, uh, at Cornell in, in New York that has now uh, added a pulse ox to it to become a medical device. Yeah. So uh, it's really, it, that's to me the ideal scenario when, when some of these consumer devices can then take the next step. And maybe at that, in the future, they have more of like a consumer level product and then like a, a pro, a medical product. I, I think that mm. I could, I can see that being something that it becomes a trend going forward. And, and Drew, when it comes to, you know, some of these consumer devices, you know, and you mentioned like, don't obsess over the data because mm-hmm. itself could be a disorder and cause you to sort of sleep less. But I mean, I mean, it's difficult to look away. Like I know I, I do like those notifications from my Apple Watch saying, hey, good job, you know, you, right. you, you slept well today, which I probably get every, you know, 10 days or something. <laughs> sure. um, but, uh, but you know, in terms of you know, people using these different kinds of devices, um, how should they be looking at this 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 data? Like, should, should they be correlating it in some way? Should they be, like, talking to their doctor? Or should they just, like, process it any which way? Like, thoughts? For anyone who's this, who's an office who likes the the show The Office, this is one of my favorite. Uh, there was a scene in The Office. I'll just very quickly explain it. Where uh, Michael Scott, the character, he he looks at he's following his GPS, and his GPS says to keep driving straight, and he drives right into the water. All right, because the GPS told him to do that. All right, <laughs> so these wearables are great, but you got to check in with yourself. You know, you if if you feel tired, that's a problem. All right, and, and you should figure out how to do that. But if you feel fine and your device is telling you you're only getting 5% deep sleep, that's not a problem. It's not, don't, don't manufacture problems for you to, to, to fix. So I think to me, it's a nice thing to maybe use as a initial, how does this say my sleep is? And then if you have something that you want to improve, you want to improve your energy levels, you want to improve your concentration, you want to lose weight, you want be more productive, whatever it is, if the reason why you would want to fix your sleep, then you start making some of these changes that you can make changes to your environment, changes to your behaviors, changes to, to, you know, uh, drink less alcohol or, you know, don't have spicy food, but all these changes you can make, then you can use the device to track if that's made a, a, a difference in your objective sleep quality, but always, always not driving into the river, always also checking with yourself to say, do I feel better after making these changes? So as I remember from medical school, when a patient needed uh, to go to the sleep lab, there was, you know, a physical place they went to, a clinic uh, with a bed, and they would spend the night and get fitted with wires and observed as they slept. Uh, and now, as I understand it, uh, you know, times have changed, technology's improved, and a, a lot more of these patients can be managed with uh, 
just a uh, device that is mailed to them and they are they can track themselves at home uh, uh, and then send uh, send the data back to the clinicians. Uh, is that right? How, how much of uh, how much of this has changed? Sure, sure. Uh, and you know, I, I did that for <laughs> ten years. Uh, yeah, I, I love I I, lo- I love in lab testing, in lab polysomnography. I'm I've got to say that I'm a, I'm a nerd and I love it. I think there will always be a place for it. Uh, there is some data on that actually. Uh, prior to COVID, it was about a sixty percent in lab toward forty percent uh, home sleep testing, and that's now flipped post COVID. Uh, it's about forty percent in lab and sixty percent uh, home sleep testing. I was running in lab sleep studies when home sleep testing was was announced, and home sleep testing for those who don't know is a device that you wear in your home one night. Um, sometimes they're disposable, sometimes you give them back, but uh, you don't need to go into a lab. It's very few contact points. It assesses your sleep and tells you you have a sleep disorder. All right. I was working in the labs when those came out and it was, you know, we were all chicken little. The sky is falling. We're not going to have a job. Home sleep testing is going to take over everything. And and that's been kind of a, you know, recurring clarion call every like, you know, two to three years. And it's just not happening. Um, In-lab polysomnography is always going to have a place. The place, um, the the percentage might stay low, but as we're talking about these devices, as more and more people get diagnosed and need testing, I don't think the overall volumes are gonna gonna uh, reduce. I think for those patients who are sick, um, you need they need to come in uh, uh, to the lab. Patients who have pulmonary disease or neurological disease or cardiac disease, uh, kids really probably uh, need to come in to the sleep lab. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know there are there's a lot of reasons why why in lab polysonography is going to continue. And that said, I'm also really excited for where home sleep testing is going as well. Um, the more options we have to test patients, the better. So, Drew, I'm curious how you you've got two roles. You're a sleep coach, and you're also executive director of Pro Sleep Solutions. How do you balance those two roles, and how do they interface? Sure. Yeah. Well, my, my, my full-time role is, uh, is the uh, role of ProSleep Solutions. Um, and, you know, just kind of wrapping up everything I've been saying, the whole goal is uh, to get patients through that diagnostic process and get them onto therapy as, as quickly as possible without compromising their care. Um, and we do that uh, through using, you know, uh, uh, the newest technology when it comes to devices. Um, we utilize uh, in the, you know, in the clinical setting, I'm calling these sleep coaches, sleep care managers, but it's a similar role where they take on the role of educating the patient on obstructive sleep apnea. They take on the role of coordinating, making sure that, you know, they know what the disease is, what, how the diagnostic process looks like, how do you uh, go through it? What are your treatment options? Um, they then coordinate you getting the device, they validate the data, they analyze the data. And then after the physician has read it and, and decides that these are the treatment options, one of these sleep care managers can actually take the time to really sit with you and explain, all right, so all that stuff we talked about, your treatment options. So yes, you have obstructive sleep apnea. Here are your options. And here's what the doctor has um, uh, you know, prescribed as, as possibilities. These are the logistical aspects of them all. These are the financial implications of them all. And they work, they partner with the patient to make the choice as to what therapy they're going to need rather than someone just dictating it to them. And there is so much research out there that shows that that's absolutely the best thing for therapy adherence. 
if, if, the, if the patient helps uh, is choose. Now it has to be paired with the other aspect of this, which is monitoring them on that therapy. Um, you can't just, uh, so what, 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 it's a joke within sleep. What tends to happen is we diagnose a patient, we give them a, a prescription for CPAP, and then we just say, okay, good luck, you know, figure it out. And imagine if you did that in like oncology, like, uh, you know, you have cancer, here's your prescription for chemo, good luck, you know, <laughs> see you in a year, you know, and, and it really can't be done like that. And, you know, that's no one's fault besides maybe the insurance companies, but I won't go down <laughs> that diatribe. But being able to monitor patients on therapy and make timely interventions and, and work with them, not just on the logistics of, you know, the, the mask is hurting me or I need pressure settings, but also... Um, more of the, the behavioral health aspects of it, of, you know, working motivational interviewing of why do you want to sleep? Why is it important for you to do this? Because if you don't know that underlying um, reason, you're not going to stay uh, involved in therapy. Basically, uh, pro sleep solutions is, is more, is the clinical side of this is moving the patient through the clinical process so that we can get them uh, treated. Uh, what sleep better NYC is, is, is more on the, on the direct to consumer or B2B, but, but outside of the clinical space. And so that's where we are uh, working on, again, really similar, but educating patients on, on sleep. Spending a lot of time, I, I, I really do like the, uh, the, uh, the comparison to a personal trainer. You know, we take the time, we try to identify what your goals are, we figure out what, what things you think you know about sleep, and, you know, maybe, maybe correct some misconceptions you have about sleep and replace it with actual, you know, uh, 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 knowledge. We then help you make those changes. In many cases, we use these uh, consumer wearables to help you track what's going on with your sleep and uh, touch base with you on a regular basis. Um, we, we try to do things like gamify uh, sleep a little bit, you know, uh, working, you know, earning sleep points and, and things like that. Um, we've got a really cool, like a uh, platform healthy that we use that it, it integrates with all these wearables. Uh, it, you, it posts how you slept the day before and we can comment on it. We can like it, like it's a status. Um, so that, that's, that's what sleep better NYC does. We also have a lot of self paced education for patients. So you can, you know, purchase a, a program on, you know, sleep and mental health or, uh, you know, sleep habits and mindset, talking you through something called sleep hygiene. Uh, again, sleep hygiene is all the stuff that you can do yourself to improve yourself without, without, yeah. uh, clinical assistance. Yeah. Okay. Oh, thanks for, thanks for clarifying that. We sort of broached on this topic, but now I'm going to get really silly and trivial and talk about celebrity endorsements <laughs> because we you know you mentioned, uh, insurance and pharmaceutical companies yeah. it, it as, as these digital health tools improve i can i can sort of imagine like uh you know uh more kind of celebrity side of endorsements who who do you who comes to mind in your in your head when you think about like uh sleep technology and who would be like an ideal spokesperson yeah you know i, I think <laughs> you don't have to be too serious about it because it's yeah, inherently no. not a serious question honestly i mean the, the the guys, we you know, there, there's, um, there, the athletes, uh, athletes are big on sleep. They, they, uh, well, some of them are, it's actually surprising me. You hear some vocal few who say sleep is really important, but there's actually some data out there that shows that there's just so many athletes from the college all the way to the pro level that just, they don't, they think it's not worth it. They think, despite all the data that's out there. So I think if more people spoke out about that, that would be good. Uh, actually, another really strong sleep, uh, uh, proponent is Jeff Bezos. He's. Uh -huh. He's spoken a few times about 
uh, sleep being his superpower and saying that, uh, you know, he doesn't trust his decision making the following day if he had poor sleep. Ariana Huffington is another huge sleep proponent. She's uh, put stuff out there. So, yeah. Wow. Oh, that's that's interesting. I you know, and I thought you were gonna go for Tom Brady, who I think we've mentioned on on this podcast or elsewhere. Tom Tom Brady enjoys to sleep. He, does. <laughs> he uh, gets he gets his my, my problem is I'm a Philadelphia yeah. Eagles fan, so it's pretty uh, hard to even just say that name. Uh, no, I, actually, right. I don't have anything against Tom Brady. I think he's a fantastic athlete. And, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. All right. No, that's interesting. I, I uh, was wondering if it would be a, I mean, like there is this culture like uh, we're in New York, we hear the Wall Street financial people are like, yeah, you know, <laughs> stay up late crunching numbers and stuff. And certainly in, in academia, we uh, we do that too. Well, well, and a, a really good parallel there I'll say is for years, uh, because so many patients struggled with the treatment regimen for sleep issues, that had a upstream effect where a lot of clinicians, and I'll be really kind of candid, even with a physician on the phone here, didn't want to know, kind of buried their head in the sand. It's why would you go and you would screen someone for a sleep disorder and then get them tested only for 50% of them to just eventually fail, you know, and then you just have to deal with the complaints and, 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 you know, not being able to help the patient. And I think, I think that that's been one of the, you can uh, see a parallel with that, with the, with the wearables, you know, at first they were just, just looking at the, the problem, but not giving you tools to fix it. But now that more and more of these are being paired with tools that you can take, I think there's going to be a, a big upswing. I, I would be shocked if if some of these big time celebrities don't dive deep into the, the the consumer sleep tech. You're gonna you're gonna see it really soon. You're gonna see someone buying, you know, aura ring and and you know putting it out there in music videos. I mean, it's are the music videos a thing anymore? I, I might have just dated myself. No, that, that's, that's great. You know, in fact, you, you, TikToks. You, TikToks, yep. two two things here because. Uh, one of the things that we like to end with is uh, like, you know, what would be your predictions? But I think you, you know, covered that part. But Nick, uh, any of your predictions when it comes to this space? And then. Uh, we'll- oh, gosh, no. When we talked about this last summer, uh, I was speculating that uh, sleep stats would start to rival activity stats and we would get uh, next to your step counts, you'd get like a quality sleep metric and that has not happened or even come close to happening. And I, I think Apple is moving closer with uh, the next iOS for the watch to give you more sleep data, but nowhere, uh, nowhere near the step counts and activity level. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to duck out of this prediction business. Well, <laughs> let me, let me, what I will say yeah. on that, I'll just okay. Okay. real quick is we have so much data. We are. We're tracking uh, activity. We're tracking uh, nutrition. And, and I think, you know, we've talked about like the pillars of health. You know, uh, historically, there's been, you know, sleep and, and nutrition and fitness and, and we're adding mental health as a kind of a fourth one. But I think what we're going to see as we mine through this data, that sleep is the foundation underneath those other three. And you're going to see that borne out in the data. Obviously, I'm biased on this, but you're going to see it in the data. You're going to see that if someone is trying to to improve, uh, lose weight, but their sleep is bad, it's not going to work. And you, it's going to be a very easy uh, oh, yeah. analysis, you know, or if someone is running 10 miles a day to lose weight, but it's not, but, and they're sleeping four hours a night, you're going to see that. So I, I think that's where I see yeah. We even we even picked that up in the asthma health app. Uh, it was mm-hmm. one of those uh, like uh, patients reported more asthma symptoms a few days after a night of poor sleep. It was Absolutely. like a pretty yeah. clear early correlation that we saw. Interesting. Well, I mean, thanks. Thank you, Drew. I mean, based on your recommendation in the earlier thread, uh, 
I downloaded this app called Snorfox that you, I think you mentioned <laughs> at a, some conference. So uh, my prediction is hopefully in a few few months, I'll have better data on how I've been since, you know, sleeping. <laughs> oh man, if I can, uh, I'm going to convert people to be sleep nerds one person at a time. I just want everyone to to love this as much as I do. So, so happy you're doing that. Love it. Love it. Well, um, I think that'll bring bring it to a, to a close. Uh, thank you again, Drew. What a fascinating conversation. I learned a lot and uh, I'm hopefully yeah. I'll sleep better on that. On that note. <laughs> Let's hope so. But so don't track it too closely. <laughs> Take care. Well, that's it for this week's uh, Digital Health Unfiltered. That's it for this week. Join us again next time on Digital Health Unfiltered. Please note that the views presented in this podcast are not to be construed as the views of Mount Sinai Health System or the Hospital for Special Surgery or any of its affiliates.